Hi there, my name is Jonathan. I'm the host here at The Venue RX, and our mission is to document and share the best practices for building, owning, operating, and managing world-class wedding venues. Our company, Common Sense Events, is a venue management company that consults, manages, and operates venues all over the US. I'm here to share the mindset and methods that have worked for us in the past and are working for us now as we continue to build our venue management company. Thank you so much for listening. Please consider subscribing and sharing this, and let's get to the show. When you're starting out, anything new, it's like, is this supposed to feel like this? Like, are they supposed to say no? Like, there's a lot of fears and there's a lot of doubts that go into that. So would you recommend then for a new venue owner of someone who wants to own a venue to hire a venue consultant? Yeah, 100%. To have somebody that can be on your side that has watched other people or has themselves gone through this um, and helped them through the process. I think it's priceless. You're listening to the Venue RX podcast. What is going on, everyone? Jonathan here with the Venue RX, and today we have another one of our Venue Owner Series episodes. And I love these because it has been such a cool opportunity to get to know each one of these venue owners, get to know more about their venues, and introduce their venues to our community here, as well as just kind of hear the process that they experience going through and purchasing or acquiring or building their venue, and then everything it's taken them to get where they're at now, whether they're you know, a year in business or whether they're five or 10 years in business. It's been really, really cool to peel back some of the layers here and understand more about, uh, about the venue industry just across the country in general. And so if you're new to this channel, again, my name is Jonathan, I'm the host here. Our channel is all about documenting and sharing best practices around building, owning, operating, managing, all of the things uh, related to running a really world-class wedding venue. And so uh, part of this is of course the Venue Owner Series where we're talking to real venue owners and today I feel so privileged to be able to talk to Emily Mays. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was my pleasure. So excited to be here. Well, we're excited to chat about your venue Forever 5, is that correct? In Conroe, Texas? That's correct. Awesome. Awesome. Can you... I, I love a good origin story. I think I start every single podcast off this way just because I, I, really, I really do. I'm fascinated by this and I want to know how you got started, like why, why a venue and where did you come from professionally before doing a venue? Yeah. So I, um, was a wedding planner for a little bit over eight years. Um, I had my third child and was, um, just kind of looking for something a little different, a little more permanent, I guess, too. Um, and so I got with my father and brother and was actually able to convince them to join with me um, and build a wedding venue. So we started searching for property. Um, we built it. And um, this is now kind of our legacy. So it's, it, that's kind of where we started from and why I chose wedding venues in general. <laughs> So being a wedding planner, you said for eight years prior, you were no stranger to the industry in general. Like you were, you knew the vendors and you kind of knew how everything goes. So you weren't coming in a stranger, but were there, did you open your venue in the area that you already had some relationships, some established relationships in? I did. Yeah. So um, I'm in the Houston, North Houston area in Conroe, um, Texas. And so I live in Tomball. And so I've been out here for my entire life, basically. So yeah, I, I, when I started this, I kind of already had um, a foot in the door with knowing people. So that was kind of cool that I could 
refer brides to vendors I knew um, would treat them well. And I wasn't just hoping for the best. I knew they were getting the best. So that was good. Let's unpack how you got into the venue. And then I'm really excited to hear more about the vendor side of things and working with family. I think there's a lot of really cool dynamics and stuff we're going to talk about here. But um, take me back. How long have you owned your venue at this point? So um, we opened officially March of 2021. So okay. we've only been running the venue for about a year and a half. That's huge. That's so cool. I was just talking with someone uh, a couple days ago about their venue and they were, when we talked, it was like the year anniversary. Exactly. So this is a very similar, similar thing. Yeah. Yeah. A venue up in Oklahoma. So, so you've done it a year and a half now. Okay. So how did you get into the building then? How did you, did you buy it? Did you build it? What was, what was kind of the, the beginnings of this? So we had family property that we were going to build on. Um, and we, um, had gotten our architect to draw everything up of what we had wanted. Um, and I actually, my broker came to me and he goes, before you move forward, I have a piece of property. You need to come and look at it. I think you'll love it. And sure enough, we came out here to where forever five is now. And it was an old wedding venue that had been basically closed for about four years. Um, so it needed a lot of love. But the landscaping around, we have three different ponds that cascade into each other. It was like nothing that you would find in the North Houston area at all. So we just felt like this was the way to go. So instead of building from scratch, we actually renovated, um, completely renovated. It looks nothing like the original at all. Um, and so that was kind of where that came into play with the property. So we've done a little bit of both. Um, started from scratch with the architect, but renoed. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like you, you, even though you are purchasing an existing like older wedding venue, you still are going through the process. It sounds like it's, you know, complete renovation. Was it more or less expensive than you expected when you were going through the process of, of renovation? And was it like you continued to add things on or did you pretty much have in your mind what you wanted? You stuck with that. Oh, um, no, it was a lot more than we expected for sure. Um, at, there were times that we said we should have just built from scratch, like just completely torn it out and just started over. Um, cause some of the areas I feel like with the reno, it did cost us more because we were trying to save the concrete that was already there, you know, like the, the foundation, um, so I, I think that there were areas that it did cost more than if we would have just built from the bottom up. Um, but I do love that it had a history. So I didn't want to completely erase that either. Um, I did have an idea of pretty much what I wanted it to be and look like and how the property would flow. But there, um, we're always adding. I think as wedding venue owners, you see things and you're like, I need that to be a little different. I want to change that. I want to add that. I want this to be something else. And so I think it just grew with us um, because like our ceremony area is not what we originally envisioned, but I think it's a hundred times better. So. So how did your dad and brother fit into this? Cause you said you pitched them on the idea and obviously you said originally you were going to build on a family property, but then this new venture, what part do they play? And you know, kind of what did, what did they think about this? Like kind of switching gears, it sounds like. 
Yes. So my dad um, and my brother, we were over at my parents' house and um, they were trying to pitch me to, to help them work a um, commercial mowing business. And I was just like, no, that just sounds like, no. Um, and I was like, why, if y'all are wanting to start a business together, why don't we all start a new business and do a wedding venue um, on the property? It would be amazing. And my brother was like, okay, that sounds pretty cool. Why aren't we talking about that? My dad's like, well, she's been trying to get me to do it for years. Bring me a business plan and we'll talk about it. I had a business plan to him that week. Um, and the rest is history from there. Um, once we signed on the dotted line, it was kind of like, there's no going back. We're all together in this. Um, and although my dad says he never would get into weddings or funerals, it's exactly where he's at now. <laughs> so was, um, was he a business guy? It sounds like he, yeah, it sounds like he had some business experience already was, was owning a business foreign to either your brother or your dad. This, was this a first business for them or was this just kind of a, a new industry maybe, but they were used to running businesses? So my brother is actually a Houston firefighter. So this is completely new to him. Um, he had no experience beforehand in this. Um, my father was a vice president of a company for like 30 plus years. Um, and so he's used to running a company, but he was in logistics. So it's, he's more into the numbers um, and all of that. So I let him handle that side of the company. Um, so he wasn't really into the owning a business though. So it's been a learning curve for him a little bit too, as well as myself, because I'd never owned my own business. I just worked for other people's small businesses and wedding planning companies and stuff. That's so cool. So really, it sounds like this was the first foray for the three of you into owning your own business, even though you had done pieces of it in different places, like coming together and just doing this. That is such a cool experience and so neat to be able to do that with family. Um, I think a lot of people are a little yeah. nervous maybe about working with family members, but there are certainly a lot of venue owners who are partnered with spouses or partnered with, you know, a mother daughter team yeah. or, you know, whatever the case may be. And in your case, obviously your dad and your brother, were there concerns in your mind or maybe even things that you were surprised about that came up that were issues as a part of working together with family because you're stacking a business relationship on top of a personal relationship or has that not really been an issue for you guys? So I would say our family, um, my immediate family is a little different because we've gone through so many adversities together um, with, you know, family tragedies and stuff. So I feel like we'd already kind of bonded in the years before and we've been really close. So I wasn't nervous going into it because I did feel like we had a really solid foundation of communication between all three of us. Um, and we knew where my other brother, cause there is another brother that's not a part of it stood. Um, and so it felt comfortable knowing that we're not leaving them out. They didn't want to be a part of it. Um, there's three of us, which leads one to veto anything. So we always have that, um, that power that we know if two of us agree, you know, then we'll move forward kind of thing. And I, and I feel like I've been lucky in the sense that they've always believed in my dream of this. And so they've always just 
wanted to support and wanted to make this work. And so they're just as determined as I am to make all of our couples happy and to make the business a success. And so I've been blessed. We've not had any fallouts. We've not had any major huge disagreements. It's been small quarrels, you know, like I don't have any time off or <laughs> you spent too much money on that. I wouldn't have done that, you know, things like that. But otherwise we've been really, really blessed to, to work through it together. Um, so it's brought us closer to, especially after losing my mom last year. Um, we, I could not do this without them at all. <laughs> I want to ask you your advice on this piece specifically for people who want to work together with family. Do you think it's important to have very defined, very separate roles as a part of working together? Yes, a hundred percent. Okay. So, and what roles do each one of the, the partners here play? You know, your brother, your dad, and you. Sure. So my brother, Johnny, he handles like maintenance, mowing. Um, he'll do tours if I need him to. That is his main role. Um, also making decisions with us. Like when we have a big decision, we always sit down and he's included in all of those. But he's not a part of the day-to-day -day stuff. And he likes it that way. Um, and then my father's role is more of balancing the checkbooks, making sure everyone's getting paid, um, handling, um, gosh, there's so many like taxes and different things. He handles stuff with our bar and all of that as well. And then my role is the social media, the tours, the contracts, the um, being the, the main person that they see and get to know. Um, and then hiring of any additional employees and stuff. So I do all of that. Um, so we kind of try to keep as much separate as we can so that we all know what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> totally. That makes so much sense. And it, and it honestly helps. I feel like it would help because you would trust like, Johnny is going to take care of everything that is in his purview. He's going to obviously accept input. You're going to take input from him. You're going to take input from your dad, vice versa. There's, there's kind of that, that working together aspect, but you're also trusting each other to make the best call for your own center of responsibility. That makes a lot of sense. I, I run our business, Common Sense Events, with my wife. And actually, I'm originally from, from Texas. And... Um, yeah, born and raised in the Fort Worth area for like 15 years. And it's it's interesting because when you work with family, like I definitely have heard when I was starting the business, like, oh, you don't want to open a business with your spouse or a family member or, you know, because there's all these problems and you could ruin the relationship. But I really think to your point, when you're able to isolate the responsibilities and then you're able to, to trust that other person that they're going to be growing in their role and they're going to be, you know, owning those things, whether that's operations or sales or the client facing stuff or the taxes, you know, um, that's, that's, yeah. that's great. And it's, you know, it's the trust that you put and then it's under their, their supervision. So that's, that's great. Talk me through the, uh, the venue itself. Let's, let's talk about the venue itself forever five. Like you said, you're in Conroe. Um, can you tell me like, what do couples get when they book? And then we're going to talk a little bit about the surrounding area and kind of how, because I'm curious, Conroe is pretty near the woodlands, right? 
yes. Woodlands area. Um, so, you know, your perspective on how competition has played into like, you know, the work that you do with couples and maybe even post COVID because you're starting this, you know, in, in kind of a, an interesting time to have a wedding venue for sure. There's some pent up demand. There's like, there's a lot shifting. So um, let's get into that. But before we do so, when someone books with you, can you tell me your, your booking? Like how much does it cost? What, what do people get? Are you a blank canvas? Is it all inclusive? You mentioned a bar. Let's go through some of those things. Sure. So for me, I am a blank canvas venue. So they get the reception hall, um, our olive branch house, which is the bridal suite, um, and then the ceremony area. And we have just under 16 acres. So they have private access to the property for the day, a 14 hour rental, 10 a.m. to midnight. Um, We do um, set up the tables and chairs for them down at ceremony and inside. And I do have three different chair options that I don't charge extra for. They just get to choose which chair and what area fits best. Um, I am a more intimate venue. I do only fit 200 people at max and that is on purpose. I did not want it to be overly big. I really love the small weddings. Um, I just feel like there's so much more they get to do with that and more experiences for their guests. So um, I have a preferred vendors list that I help them find people, but I don't require them to use except for the bar. Like you mentioned, I I do have my own bar. I have my liquor license. um, And I've been blessed to find an amazing staffing company that helps me manage and run that. Um, And then for them to book with me, I require um, 25% down um, on the initial deposit. And my pricing is based on the day of the week. And right now I don't have like non-peak or peak. I know that gets asked a lot from the couples. I don't do that. Um, Texas, I feel like is always (laughs) open. Yeah. So um, I haven't really done like peak or peak. Um, but we're anywhere between 4,000 to 8,400 on a Saturday. So, um, I tried to stay very competitive because I do not have an enclosed chapel. Um, and in Texas, sometimes that is a deterrent. Um, my chapel or ceremony area, I should say is opened air and it's these beautiful arches. So it's a toss up. Are you okay being hot for 30 minutes or, you know, you do a room flip. Yeah, yeah, totally. And the room flip, because you do have the, and you said you called it the olive. The olive branch house is my bridal suite. Oh, right, right, right. That's the uh, bridal suite. Okay, got it. So that you can either do a flip in the room that you use for the reception, or you could go do that. That's beautiful. So you said Texas is always open. Do you, have you been really impacted by seasonality? I mean, you've been through like a full, a full year at this point. Do you feel like seasonality is really an impact or people are more, you know, people are willing to get married, even times that may have been previously considered like off peak. Yeah. So it's been summer since April here. Um, so I feel like, you know, summer weddings are, are a little more slow in Texas. I feel like July and August are usually the ones that you don't have as many events. Um, I'm okay with that though, because that ramps us up right before you go into full on wedding season where you don't have a weekend off, um, until Christmas. So I, I feel like there are couples that try really hard to go spring and fall. Um, but it, but with Texas, you never know. Is it going to be rainy? Um, 
like, like I said, it's been summer since April, so it could already be hot by April. So even if you're trying to get like the nice 70 degree weather, you get it for a week in Texas and then it's back to the nineties. So I don't know. They want what they want. Some people are, they don't care and they'll get married and their guests can just deal with it if it's hot or freezing outside. So that's, I'm not super worried about it. That's so cool. And you know, it's interesting. Some people definitely care more about that. Like everyone wants to have good weather on their wedding in a sense, but some people really, really care of, about trying to target those ideal dates to get the best weather. And some are like, hey, if it's a little hot, if it's a little cold, like we're going we're gonna to be okay either way. We're going to have a party. And um, I had to smile a little bit when you, you mentioned your guest count. You said an intimate gathering of 200. It's interesting because I think I've definitely... <laughs> Go ahead. No, I mean, that. Yeah, 200 is not really necessarily intimate, but I guess that my space just feels more intimate because um, <laughs> most of the venues around me fit 350 or more. So wow. I am considered small. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about that. And let's let's talk about kind of your the positioning and how you chose because you probably had to make some decisions pretty early on based on the other venues in the area. And you obviously had a grasp of the industry already, but like how you wanted to be positioned pricing wise and how you wanted to be positioned with what you offered. And so what things did you think about going into, uh, you know, setting pricing, setting packages that helped you determine what those things were based on the, the local market around you? Um, so I had the blessing of finding a venue consultant pretty early on also. Um, I actually came across a podcast um, talking about a venue consultant within like two weeks of me and my family deciding to move forward with that. So I had her help guide me too when I was doing pricing and what I would offer and all of those things. So we took into consideration the fact that I am in Montgomery County. I am in the fastest growing wedding industry area right now ever. So um, I had to be very careful not to outprice myself for what I offer, but not undersell where I couldn't keep the business alive. Um, and so I think that's part of why we really wanted to stay more as a blank canvas because I didn't want to put myself in a position that couples couldn't get what they wanted, couldn't make it work for them. Um, I, I wanted to be as flexible as possible with my pricing. And then, and that kind of allowed me to do that because I wasn't tied in with any other vendors doing anything. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, well, I'm sorry, well, I, I got off track there. No, 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 that's perfect. I was just going to ask, do you, are you similar to other venues in your area? Meaning are many venues in the area blank canvas and do many of them offer bar or are you, you know, is it more people who are doing all inclusive venues or, you know, what's kind of the, the market look like for you in that area? So there's a lot of us blank canvas, um, venues around, but I, I am seeing, I feel like an uptick in um, the all-inclusive packages. Um, I'm also seeing several venues offer both where you can just rent the venue only, or you can use their packages. Um, but we do have one major competitor right now that um, is corporately owned that is coming in and 
buying up a lot of my competition. So they own now everyone. Um, and they require all inclusive. So to me, it's kind of like, well, you know, that kind of separates me also because they make you use their people. If that's not what you want to do, then I fit you a little bit better. Um, and also I, my direct competitors are a little different because I am more modern in look. So there's not as many of us. There's a lot more of the barns, which are beautiful, but I knew going in, I didn't want to compete with them. I wanted to be very different. Um, so I set myself apart in the that. So it's kind of narrowed. Like if they're looking for something modern, there's not as many of us. And the other ones I feel like do require all inclusive. So totally. Emily, I, I want to ask, you mentioned a venue consultant, and I think so many people kind of consider maybe working with someone, whether it's a business coach, whether it's, you know, and especially if you're getting into this industry brand new, um, <clears throat> what were you looking for when you, or, or maybe were you not looking for, and then would you be open to sharing? Because I mean, I, I, like I'm thinking podcast guests, but then I'm also thinking for anyone who's in a similar position, who's like, gosh, I need someone in my corner to kind of like help me figure this out. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. So you probably actually have already heard of her because you had uh, Kinsey Roberts on your podcast. And um, I love Kinsey to death. And actually Kinsey's podcast is where I found my consultant. Um, Cause it is a small world. And Lindsay Lucas with Lean On Me Consulting is who I hired. And I actually knew Lindsay. She was another wedding planner in the Houston area when I was also a wedding planner. And so our paths have crossed in the past. And so I already felt like it was, you know, God was talking to me and he was like, if you need someone, here she is yeah. on a pedestal. Kinsey gave her to you. Um, and so that was, I just, when I talked to her about where we stood, she was just opening up the venue academy. Um, so I went that direction first. And then I realized mm, I really need more of her in my stuff. Like I need her to be nosy and know all my things so I can ask her questions as they come up and feel like she can give me like solid answers because she knows my business and she knows where we stand. Um, and honestly, if it was not for her, I don't know that we would have made it through um, the the getting a bank <laughs> portion um, and getting the loan funded because it took me uh, eight no's before I got my yes. So, um, I mean, I am an Enneagram seven, so I do push anyways, but um, I just feel like having her in my corner, I was like, no, this is a good like plan. Y'all aren't just not listening to me. Totally. Totally. So someone who is not only knowledgeable, but then also a cheerleader to kind of help encourage you and set some norms. Cause when you're starting out anything new, it's like, is this supposed to feel like this? Is this supposed like, are they supposed to say no? Like there's a lot of fears and there's a lot of doubts that go into that. <laughs> so would you recommend then for a new venue, uh, owner of someone who wants to own a venue to hire a venue consultant? Yeah, a hundred percent to have somebody that can be on your side that has watched other people or has themselves gone through this um, and helped them through the process. I, I, I think it's just, it's priceless. Like, yes. Cool. Cool. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, talk to me a little bit about, so, you know, we've covered, we've covered the pricing. You said you're anywhere between 4,000 and 8, 8, 500, 8, 
Okay. Okay. So, and that's depending. 8,400. And that's for depending on the time of, uh, or depending on the day that you choose, not necessarily the time of year. And then the bar. So the bar, you said you do have your liquor license. What was the process like yes. around getting that? Because I know a lot of people, in fact, I've received questions here on the show, like, hey, how, like I've been thinking about getting my liquor license, but there's like, I don't know, where do I even start? So and you know, you're here like a year later and you, you have that already. So what was that process like? Yeah. What made you decide to go that route and what's your, uh, your experience been so far? So we just had our year anniversary of um, running our own bar. So it was quite the adventure to get my liquor license. Um, when I started the process, we were still dealing with COVID. So they weren't all back in the office to help you and it just, it took me over six months to actually get it like from start to finish. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of things doing it yourself. Cause that's what I did. I, I filed all the paperwork. I, I did all of the legwork myself. Um, there's some things that they don't tell you upfront that you need like certain bonds um, and different things that are going to be a nice little surprise and cash um, that you have to come up with um, along the way that I found out the hard way on. And what was that? What was that uh, like? That what was uh, is that like a five thousand dollar thing? Is it like two hundred dollars? Is it like twenty five thousand dollars? Like what's what are we talking about here? So um, for me, it was the two last bonds that I needed, um, and they were thirty-seven fifty a piece, like so thirty-seven hundred dollars a piece that you had to get the bonds on. Um, and because I didn't know about them ahead of time, by the time it was time to get them, I had to rush, which means I couldn't shop around for a bondsman either. And they knew it, and they charged me <laughs> for it. So, um, you know, it's all those little things that just add up. Um, and then the taxes, I did not expect the amount of taxes you pay. I knew it was high, but I was not expecting there to be five different taxes that you're paying. Um, you know, you've got the monthly, the quarterly and the annual ones just for the bar. So you have to be so meticulous in your, um, in your numbers, like how much are you selling at every event, like doing your inventory before and after to make sure that you have it all listed out. Um, it's, it's, that's a lot, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. Well, it sounds like it. What, so is it worth it? I just want to know, like, is it, is, is the money there? Is the return there? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a hundred percent worth it. It's a pain in your butt. You pay a lot of taxes. You have to follow so many rules, but one, just knowing that I get to tell them that they cannot bring alcohol. I get to monitor how much they're drinking before and after the bar is open and closed or, you know, and all those things. It's a peace of mind for me. Um, we also require security and I have that go through the bar. So then I also know that my security guys are there to watch out for me. But um, yeah, it's a I honestly, with, coming out of COVID um, and things booking a little slower than we were expecting it to, the bar has been a saving grace in that as well, because it, it is one more revenue stream that can make sure that you stay afloat in the slower times. Yeah. <clears throat> the extra revenue from that definitely like to not have to 
de depend on entirely the rental fee, I can totally see that's that's huge. Just to get a a perspective for any new folks out there who are who are thinking about this, or even folks that are just kind of comparing, like I don't know, we're here six months in, you know. Um, do you were you surprised at the amount of bookings that you got in your first year? Were you was it underwhelming? Was it overwhelming? Um, maybe share even if you if you wouldn't mind. But I'm kind of curious, like what what did year one look like? And then as you look forward to year two, you know what is the the pace that you're on to do in yearly events booked? So our first year, since we weren't open that whole full year, that one was a lot slower for us um, than I think any of us were expecting. We did not hit the number we were hoping to hit. Um, but this, this year, we will be finishing out at just under 50 events for our first full year open. That's huge. Um, and I've already hit that number for booked events for next year. So um, I... I'm harder. I'm more of a critic of myself anyways. Um, I've been blessed to have some other venue owner friends in the area who tell me that my numbers are, are great for that. Yeah. Um, I still wish that they were higher. <laughs> um, I'm like, we should have been booked every week. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm proud of where we are. I'm trying to celebrate the little wins and, um, and we're getting there. So yeah, I'm proud of it. That's awesome. No, that's huge. That's, that's amazing because, you know, when you start something new, you've had to figure out all of these things all simultaneously. I wanted to ask about two more things before we finish up. Um, I wanted to ask about your, your marketing. So there's so many different choices for what to do with marketing out there. You could go on the platforms, you could, you know, do all of the free and kind of earned media that you could do social media, Facebook, Google, ads, paid ads, right? Pinterest, gosh, TikTok now, right? Um, everything out there. Where did you, where did you start your marketing? And maybe even coming off your experience as a, as a wedding planner, how did you just dive into, into the marketing that you were going to do to promote the venue? Yeah. So I, I hit social media pretty hard. Um, but I'm also on the knot and wedding wire because I do feel like since I am still pretty new in the area, um, it's a necessary evil. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I, yeah, I feel like a lot of brides go there first. And so I want them to know I'm, I exist. But I also feel like it gives me a level of, um, what's the word? I, like, they can trust that I am an actual, real, legitimate business. Um, because I'm on there with everyone else as well. Um, and then social media, I, I hit Instagram and TikTok pretty hard. Um, Facebook, mm, that's not where my clientele come from. So I let anything I post on Instagram just filter over there. I feel like you have to have that presence, but I don't spend much time on Facebook. Um, but Reels and TikToks, I do try really hard to be present. I actually get a lot of traffic through TikTok, which is crazy, but I do. Um, I actually had a girl call today, found me on TikTok and wanted to come over. So um, yeah, I, I think it's important to put your face in the camera. So they also know who they're talking to when you're emailing or messaging back and forth. I do feel like they, they want to know who you are as a person too. Yeah, instead of just kind of this, like you're talking to somebody at the venue, very kind of back because it is. It's a personal. It's a very personal purchase. It's you know, it's um, 
you're a part of personal. Yeah. So, so much. What, as you have been in business now a little bit longer, you mentioned the staffing company. Um, what does your team look like? You know, is it, you, you know, there's, it started off you, your dad, your brother, at what point did you hire your first employee or, or have you? And then at what point did you add on staffing companies or other auxiliary help, um, to, to support what you're doing? So I have hired employees, not a ton. Um, we had our first um, non-family employee be hired last November. Okay. Um, she stayed with me for nine months. Um, she needed a little bit more than I could give her. So she did go to back into her marketing world. Um, but um, she's still there when I need her for like off things. So that was kind of interesting. It was, I was very nervous hiring my first person because I had never done interviews either. You know, like, how do you interview and hire someone and know that they're actually like going to be a good employee? Mm. Um, we also hired a maintenance man. So he is here like six days a week and he just makes sure that the property is running. Things are good. Um, I feel like that one was easier to hire. Um, I don't know, less stress on me, I guess, because they're not talking to my people like yeah. she was. Um, and then in July, when she left, I hired another one. Um, and she's been amazing. Um, she's not from the industry. I'm actually taking her to the wedding MBA with me um, in two weeks so that she can kind of be introduced a little bit more and be taught by someone that's not me yeah. about our industry because um, she's got that desire to learn. And that's kind of what I was like, okay, I can trust that you are going to do a good job and you're there for me. And so we've, we've hired two. That's three. awesome. <laughs> two that stayed. And, <laughs> and those two people have been in marketing, kind of supporting the marketing efforts. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so they handle like my inquiries as they come in. Okay. Um, they send out all of my follow-up emails, my tour follow-ups, um, and then they handle, um, like just off questions. Like after I've sent the contract, did they come back and have questions that need answers? Um, she'll set up things for my calendar and stuff like that. Got it. So kind of a, a cross between like an administrative assistant, a little bit of marketing, a little bit of like lead management. That's so cool. Do you use a, yeah. a CRM or any sort of lead management, like a honey book or something like that to manage the leads? Um, yes, Dubsado. Um, I use that for the bar or for the venue, and then I use HoneyBook for the bar. So okay. I work on two different systems. Okay. Um, I love Dubsado for the venue. I think it's amazing. So that, I would never change that. Never change that. I heard. I've heard from a lot of people that Dubsado is awesome once you get it set up. But it was kind of it's kind of a process to get it set up. Was is that uh, resonate with you? Oh, 100%. But that's also where my consultant came in because she did a lot of that legwork for me. Oh, <laughs> so huge. I didn't okay. have as much. Just yeah. Cool. Shout out to Lindsay. Lindsay's awesome, by the way. She came on the podcast very early on and she's been, I consider her a friend. Lindsay, if you're listening to this, we're friends. <laughs> um, but we're actually... I love her. Don't yeah. <laughs> that's great. I'll, I'll, I'll pass that along. But, um, okay. So that's really, that's really interesting. Do you, one thing I realized I didn't ask earlier, do you require a planner at, at your space? I do. Okay. 
So you do require a planner, but it's blank canvas, but then they go through your bar. So you have a control of the, the security, control of the liquor, but then you are, are okay, so that makes, that makes a lot of sense. What about insurance? Is really the kind of like the last piece here that I wanted to ask you about. Do you require your couples to have day of insurance, like their own insurance that's separate of anything that you would require from vendors or things like that? How do you handle that liability piece? Yeah, so Lindsay's gonna kill me um, because I don't require it still. Okay. Um, it is, I tell them, I highly recommend, but um, as for it being a hard line in the sand, it's not there. And I know Lindsay's probably like, yes shaking her fist at me from afar yeah um because she definitely believes we should you know it protects them just as much as it protects us um it's on my preferred vendors list so they are on there i do have several companies i i recommend to them but i i don't i don't make them i don't make them do it Totally. Well, and no, it's it's not a judgment. I'm, I mean, I told you when we started this, we're just going to peel oh, yeah. back all the layers. We're going to be we're going to be diving into yeah. to your venue and your experience. And you know, there's so much room to grow, to change, to evolve. You know, we've had our our venue management company for gosh, two years now. Two years, yeah. And we have four venues that we manage. And I can't I can't tell you how many times we've changed stuff. Like we've like, okay, we're going in this direction, and then you know two quarters later, you know, it's, you know, whatever, six months later, and we're just like, you know, that wasn't a good idea. Let's do something different here. <laughs> so it's, you have the freedom to do that as a business owner and it's neat. You either reap the rewards and they're either good or they're bad. And then you, you know, you, you adapt and you adjust. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. There's so many things and it's always changing. Like things are always coming up and you're like, oh my gosh, like, okay, do I need to worry about this? Is this, is this just a trend that I like? Yeah. There's so many things like sparklers in me right now. We're on the fence. Like, am I going to keep allowing them or am I going to just say, you know, no more because yeah. they keep burning my turf Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's not. And what kills me is not the couple, right? It's usually like the photographer or the planner that sets them out on the turf and <sighs> God love them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yep. It's the only response you can have, right? You're just like, ah, okay. Do we, how, how many, how many times is it going to take to, for us to do this? Or is it like meaningful? Is it so meaningful to them that we're going to keep allowing it? I, I totally, I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, Emily, thank you so much for coming on and just like allowing me to ask all these you know, really intrusive questions into your business. And like, it's so neat. Like I, I really, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you and the other venue owners that come on because for, for people who are just starting out, this is scary. Like, and there's not a lot of resources yeah. out there. And so that's what we're committed to here. And you're like a huge part of that right now. So I really, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I mean, this is a passion of mine too, is I, I want the venue owner community to let's talk about things. Let's share things. Let's not be afraid of it because it, I feel like it only makes us better for our clients. Um, you know, I, I don't want to make mistakes because they're the ones that pay for it. Not me. Well, I mean, I pay for it too, but, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. they pay for it more. They only get one shot. One shot. Yeah. hundred percent. You can't give I the time. Make that yeah. 
It's it's so yeah. true. It's so, so true. So we're gonna have the links for everything in the description uh, of the YouTube video. If you're listening online, it should also be in Apple Podcasts or in or in Spotify. But Emily, just for anyone who's listening right now who wants it, you know, uh, how do people contact you if they want to either check out your venue online, Instagram? Where are they going? And and um, you know, how do you how do you connect to you online? Sure. So um, they can find me at Forever Five Events, and it's always the number five um, on our website. All, all of my social media platforms is at Forever Five Events. Um, they can email us at hello at forever five events. Um, I tried to keep everything like they always say consistency. It's always forever number five events. So I, I love that. It's simple. It's beautiful. It works. And you really do. You have a gorgeous Instagram presence. Your website is, is really, really nice. Um, and it's, it's incredible to me, like what you've accomplished in the year. And I'm so excited to kind of continue watching your growth and, you know, what, what you do with the venue. It's, it's super neat and super inspiring to see. I really appreciate it. And I can't say thank you enough for giving me an opportunity to even do this with you. So it's been really, really fun. It's awesome. Well, thank you so much again for being on the show, everyone. Thank you for listening. You know, if you haven't already, please consider subscribing or sharing uh, this content because we are looking to, to serve more venue owners and the couples that they serve. Emily, appreciate you. And we will talk to you all in the next episode. Hey there, thanks so much for listening. If you are a return listener, could you do me a huge favor and consider rating and reviewing the show? We don't run ads, we're not really looking to do that, but we do wanna grow the show. And so my ask to you is you take a moment or two and rate the show wherever you're listening to it, whether that is Apple Music, Spotify, uh, even if you're on you know, YouTube, I'd love, to, I'd love to hear from you. Please shoot me a DM though on Instagram so that I can thank you personally and I'd love to shout you out as well. I appreciate you more than you can imagine. All right, back to the show.